Welcome to the sermon podcast of Damascus Road Church. For more information about Damascus Road Church, go to damascusroadonline.com. All right, are you ready for what's next? Cool. So, uh, as I said earlier, like we're growing as a church. Uh, we're trying to follow Jesus every next step that he calls us into. And I'm so excited as we open up the word today. Tracy's going to come and preach um, this is the first time that Tracy has preached, right? And first time that she's preached at DR, and I'm super excited. We spent a couple hours this week talking about what God had given her, um, what he was offering her to share with the whole church, and I am thrilled. Um, I, don't, I think this is going to be far and away the favorite message of the series, probably of the year. Um, it, like, <laughs> there's, there's no pressure, but... Would you come up here, and would you guys um, join me in saying we love you, Tracy? I'm excited about what God has put on your heart. I'm grateful for your obedience and your courage, and I'm eager to hear. So let's pray together, and uh, we'll open up the word. Father, we thank you for the morning. We thank you that you're a God who reveals yourself and doesn't hide yourself. We thank you that uh, as we have ears to hear you, that we do. And I pray that you'd be opening us up. I thank you for uh, the gift that Tracy is in our community, the way that you have worked in her life, um, and the words this morning that uh, I believe that you've given her. Help us to do a good job in... Uh, listening, in receiving from you, in discerning, and testing things against your word. Um, Father, we love that we get to walk this out in community. Thank you for your presence here. Uh, make us present, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So it was Christmas time, and Uh, we were ready for Milo to get the big boy bed. So Milo's two and a half, and uh, so for Christmas, we ordered the bunk bed. And he had been sleeping in Grandma's bunk bed already, um, so we thought it would be pretty safe to just kind of transition him there. So anyone who knows Kevin um, can attest to that he loves to put things together. Right, Dave? (laughs) Loves, he's very handy, and loves to spend his whole day putting things together. So that's a lie. So a big shout out to my dad, who's in the front row here, for coming to put the bunk bed together. And so dad put the bunk bed together, and it was a couple nights later. It was actually December 29th, and he had successfully slept in the big boy bed for two nights. So I'm going to sleep. He's all ready. And all of a sudden, we hear, in the middle of the night, I hear a thud. You know the kind of thud that makes your adrenaline shoot through the roof? the kind of thud that makes you jump out of bed, especially if you're a mom or a dad. So I run into the next room, and there he is, peacefully asleep. And there his full water bottle is on the floor. So I'm like, well, that's good. He's still sleeping, but guess what I am now? Wide awake. And so I go back in in the bedroom, and I'm actually praying at this point, because I'm like, my adrenaline is so far up there from that kind of getting woken up scared experience. I need to calm down. So I started praying, Lord, just help my adrenaline calm down so I can go back to sleep. Again, you can ask Kevin, I like to sleep. So I wanted my sleep back. And I guess God had different plans that night for me. 
So what happened that night, I call it the download, is where he just started speaking stuff to my heart that he actually wanted me to get up here and share with you. I wasn't necessarily looking for this opportunity, I've, um, but I felt like Shannon said in obedience, that's why I'm up here today. And I'm actually excited about it. Uh, and so the next day, the next morning, I took a bunch of notes after what I felt like the, he downloaded on my heart. And I text Justin and Shannon, and I said, hey, this is what happened last night. What do you guys think? And he, um, that the Lord wanted me to share with this body a little bit about deliverance. And they're like, interesting, because we are going to start a sermon series on the Lord's Prayer. And we have been seeing that over, you know, we've been going through the Lord's Prayer step by step, and we are at the week of... Lord, deliver us from evil. Lord, deliver us from the evil one. So it kind of fit right into the sermon series that we are currently in. When we look in the Greek, the word deliver means rescue. Okay, so what does deliver mean? Rescue. So it means rescue. And my first story that happened in the download comes from my trip to South Asia. So for those of you who know, Kirsten Tucci and I took a trip with the Dressember team to South Asia. And uh, we were there to uh, look at the work of International Justice Mission. So for those of you who do not know what the International Justice Mission is, I see some new faces in the crowd. Um, they are the largest anti-human trafficking organization in the world. They go in, um, they work with partner organizations, they go in to rescue people out of modern day slavery, and they prosecute the traffickers. So we got to spend a whole week with the IJM staff. And if I have to say, if I have heroes in this world, it's going to be um, the people that work for them. They love the Lord. They are the most kind, awesome people. And so not only did we get to meet survivors, but we got to hang out with these people that are doing the work on the front lines. So I don't know if any of you have heard, but in South Asia, the traffic is nuts. Raise your hands if you've heard that before. Yep, you were just there, Matt, right? It is like, in, you're still recovering. So I have someone to back me up on traffic is nuts there. And I tend to, if I sit in the back and the car's going crazy, I don't necessarily feel good. So Kirsten and I decided to sit, sit in the front of the bus that we were in. And what was really awesome about being placed there is that was right where the IJM staff was. So we got to spend tons of time learning about their life, I even got to learn what an Indian wedding looks like. And you all think weddings are crazy here. Do you know that they invite like thousands of people to their weddings there? It is insane. So we're learning all this stuff. And then um, this guy named John, I'll have uh, Dave put his picture up. I got to spend a lot of time with John. And John's an investigator. Um, so he was telling me about rescue missions and what life is like, where he lives. Um, and he was saying, you know what, Tracy? though, that we can rescue thousands of people out of slavery. But most of the work happens after they're rescued, after they've been brought out of physical bondage, because the people in slavery have a slavery mindset. So they might be in physical freedom, but their mind has been trained to think certain ways. And he's like, most of the work happens in the restoration and recovery process. He goes to me, he's like, yeah, it's just like a circus elephant. I'm like, what are you talking, a circus elephant? And I was like, okay, like a circus elephant, tell me more about that. And it was in that moment I felt like God pressed on my heart, pay attention to this. I want to use this somehow. 
in the future. So I was listening intently and he said, well, when they get a baby circus elephant, what they do is they tie a chain around its ankle or a rope around its neck. And that baby elephant will try to get away over and over and over again. But guess what eventually happens? It gives up because it can't get away. Now, in the circus, when that same elephant grows up, the average adult elephant weighs 24,000 pounds, 13 feet tall. That's a big elephant. They can use that same method of restraint to keep uh, an adult circus elephant in captivity and in bondage, meaning it's just that little tiny chain around its ankle or that little rope around its neck. And the reason why is because that elephant thinks that it's hopeless. It's hopeless to try to escape because he tried for so long and he never could escape. So it was crazy. He's like, the people that are rescued from slavery are just like the elephant. They don't know the freedom that they have because their mind keeps them in bondage. And that's where most of the work is done. And it was in that moment that God spoke to my heart because I did not feel like my life was anything like the people that I saw. I have never been in physical bondage. I have never been through the trauma and the abuse and the things that I saw and heard and witnessed. However, God reminded me in that moment, I'm just like them. Because before I met Jesus, I was in the same exact spiritual and emotional bondage that they are in, in freedom. And John 8, 34 through 36 says, very, very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in a family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if a son sets you free, you are free indeed. We kind of sang about that this morning. And so that made me have a connection with these people that I didn't have before. That I was a slave. We are all, all slaves to sin until we meet Jesus. I needed him, Jesus, to deliver me from the lies, the emotional and the spiritual bondage that I had been believing in my life. So I'm going to give you an example. When I was little, um, I had a hard time reading. I was never officially diagnosed with dyslexia, but I remember distinctly in first grade that I had to go to the special room. They, they took me away from all my friends, and I had to go get special help. My dad's like, shaking and said, yeah, I needed, I needed some help. And no one ever told me I was dumb or that I wasn't good enough, but my little mind and heart of a seven-year-old was like, you know, there's something wrong with me because I have to go over here to get special help. And I eventually figured out that if I work hard enough at this stuff, then I can go back and be with my friends. And I can be part of the normal kids. But what that created in me over the years was this idea that I had to work really hard to be OK and to fit in and to be good enough. So I call this the performance treadmill. I had to perform at a certain level to be OK. So what I did was I tried really hard to be the best at everything. I had to get straight A's. I had to be the captain of the team. I had to try all this. I had to do all these things. 
actually I nudged my dad though on the way here and I'm like, I did try violin and I was really bad. <laughs> and I did give that one up. But most things, most things, um, I had this performance mindset and no one ever told me that I wasn't good enough. It was a, it was a lie that I believed in my own heart and kind of made up, made up for myself. But what would happen is if I didn't live up to my own expectations that I set, shame would set in. Meaning I would say to myself, I'm not good enough because I didn't perform like I should. And that, um, I needed God to set me free. So do you see how I was just like the slaves there? I needed to believe the truth about what God was saying to me. And in Romans 10, 9, um, 9 through 10, it says, If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And that word saved is not just salvation from our sins. That word saved in the Greek, it's sozoed. Has anyone heard that, have heard that word before, a couple of you? And so it means saved, but it also means rescued. It also means delivered, kept safe, preserved, healed, made well. So the depth of that word we see multiple times throughout Scripture is so much deeper than salvation. Of course, salvation is the one, the most amazing thing. But God came not only to save us from our sins, but to sozo us. And it's a bigger picture of what, what he did for us. Um, and we can love Jesus with all of our heart. We can say yes to him, but as believers, we can still live in bondage. We can live in bondage to the lies that we're believing in our head. So John 4, 6 says that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And the, um, John eight thirty two says, and the truth will set you free. So when we're thinking about freedom from spiritual, in a spiritual and an emotional way, it comes through believing in Jesus and walking through the truth that he set before us. So think about it this way. The word says if the truth will set you free, it must be a lie that is keeping us in bondage. I'll say that one more time. The word says that it's the truth that will set us free. It must be a lie that is keeping us in bondage. Jesus did come to set us free from our sins, but he also... John um, 3, 1 John 3, 8 says he came to destroy the works of the devil. So saving us, but also destroying the things that the enemy is trying to do right here on earth. This is not going to be a message about the devils behind every bush <laughs> and that you need to be afraid of the devil and you need to be focusing on what he does. We have the power through the Holy Spirit living inside of us to overcome the works of the enemy because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. That lives within each and every one of us that believes in Jesus. However, I have talked and I have prayed with hundreds of Christians, people that believe in God, and I don't sometimes think that they understand how the enemy works. There's this quote from the movie Unusual Suspects that says, the greatest trick the devil has ever played is um, convincing the world that he doesn't exist. And if we are thinking about uh, 
in Ephesians, it says, uh, in Ephesians 6.12, for the struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of darkness, and against the spiritual forces of evil from he in heavenly realms. We have a spiritual battle raging. Uh, and I love this quote. I've used this over the years, over and over, from Christine Kane. It says to believers that we are not on a cruise ship. Okay, we have a battle raging. We are not on a cruise ship. We should not have our feet up in the air, just drinking a Mai Tai by the pool. Because um, in John 4, 7, it says we should submit ourselves to God and resist the devil and he will flee. Do you see an action word in there? Resist, right? In Galatians 5, 1 says it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. So stand firm. And do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. In the context of that verse, it's by the yoke of religion. It's by the yoke of performance that I have to do in order to be okay by God. That's kind of what I was thinking on the performance treadmill. I have to do a certain thing to be okay. I was believing lies. Notice that God, again, is telling us to stand firm. We have to resist. We have to take up our weapons. Do you all know he gave us some weapons? to fight this, to fight the enemy. So the second thing that God downloaded to me during that time at night when I was taking notes was he told me uh, to go to Half Price Bookstore the next day. I'm like, okay. Um, and he told me to get the screw tape letter book. Screw tape letters. How many of you have heard of screw tape letters? Okay, we got some. Raise your hand if you've read it. Okay, good. Good, so then you're going to maybe know. So the, if, for those of you who have not heard it, it's from C.S. Lewis. And so I, I go to the Half Price Books, and I'm in the C.S. Lewis section, and I'm looking through the books. I don't see the book. I'm like, wow, that's interesting. I must not have heard correctly, and that's okay. No, no problem. Um, and then I felt like, I felt, that, that didn't break. That's amazing. It's still there. That's amazing. So uh, the, the book, uh, so it wasn't there. So I was like, I must not have heard right. But then I felt like, check one more time. So I go through, and this thing was stuffed back way in the corner. So I grabbed it. And I, and I do feel like since I did, wasn't looking to be up here, that that for me was another way that God encouraged me that I was supposed to be sharing this stuff. So I knew he had something for, for us in this book. Um, but for those of you who haven't read it or heard of it, um, it's basically about a demon named Screwtape. And he is the uncle to this younger demon, because he's the uncle, named Wormwood. And what Screwtape is basically doing is teaching Wormwood how to infect his, uh, affect his patient. So in the book, uh, the human beings that the devils are interacting with are called patients. And so what he's writing letters and coaching him because he does not think Wormwood is doing a good job. And Wormwood's ultimate goal is to tempt his patient and to, to have his destiny be in hell and not to ever know Jesus. And he would do this by whispering things in the patient's ear. Um, he would tell them, tell him lies. He would encourage him to have negative emotions. 
and to pursue unhealthy distractions. That are some of the ways that Wormwood worked on his patients. And that's what's interesting is thinking about whispering in his ear, like these thoughts. And so when Beth was up here today sharing about when she was praying and giving space for the Lord, she heard all that other stuff in her head. Remember that? But they were not true. They were not things that, they were a lot based on performance, right? They weren't what God was saying to her. So the war that we're talking about and what, how C.S. Lewis uses this book is it's really giving you an idea of the enemy's battle plan. Because we are not on a cruise ship, like Christine Kane was saying. We are on a battleship. we got to take up our weapons, but the war is happening not out there, but right in here, in our mind. And that is how the enemy impacts us. John 10.10 says the enemy comes to kill, do we all know this one, right? Steal and destroy. And John 8.44 says when he lies, he speaks according to his own nature. He is a liar and the father of lies. So the war is happening inside of our head. And he uses those lies to attack our identity of who we are. He tempts us, he accuses us of not being good enough, and he accuses God. You know, think about back in the garden. Did God really tell you that? Remember how we talked to Eve? Did God really say that? Those are the kinds of things that he can whisper in our ears. I'll give you some modern-day examples that I came up with, because if you read this book, anyone else agree that it's you got to kind of, it's old English, <laughs> and you're just like, oh, my gosh. And he keeps calling God in the book, the enemy, because he's the enemy, but then what do we call, you know, so I just had to constantly try to figure out what was really going on. Um, but so in some modern day, like things that we could, the enemy could sound like, hey, you know, you've had a piece of dessert, but that second and third piece, you know, it, it looks real good, that food, and you deserve it. You've had a really hard day. He's tempting, tempting us with, with overeating. It could sound like, um, oh, you, you had this idea pop in your head. You should go read your Bible. That probably came from God, right? However, all of a sudden this thought comes in, hey, remember your friend told you about that Netflix series that you should really check out? And then all of a sudden what do you do? You find yourself watching the Netflix series instead of doing what you're thinking. So he's whispering stuff into our head. So I was praying about, okay, God, highlight in this whole book, what is the thing that you want me to share with the people at Damascus Road? And he said, I felt like he said 16, page 16, and it says, it's funny how mortals, so he's talking to us, always picture us putting things in their minds. But in reality, our best work is done by keeping things out. So think about that for a second. Our best work is done by keeping things out. Turn their gaze away from him and put it on themselves. So out of the whole book, I felt like there was something there. And in 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For our weapons of warfare are not of flesh, but, by, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. 
We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. God gave us weapons through Jesus to destroy strongholds. What is a stronghold? The Greek says a stronghold is like a castle or a fortress. And a stronghold is really a faulty pattern based on lies and deception, a thinking pattern, excuse me. It often starts with a hurt or disappointment. So something happens to you that you feel hurt, you feel disappointment, and all of a sudden your heart is a fertile ground for lies to start being planted. And all of a sudden, on this foundation, the enemy uses lies to lay brick by brick by brick by brick, and you have this fortress around you. Um, these lies could be uh, inaccurate ideas about who God is. It could be prideful thoughts. It could be distorted perceptions of how God sees you and how much he loves you and how he feels about us when we make a mistake. Those are all ways that these walls can start coming up. So let me give you an example. Say that you have someone that you've trusted. You looked up to like as a fatherly or motherly figure, and they hurt you and they deeply disappoint you. They betray your trust, actually. And as a result, the enemy lied to you. And he said that nobody can be trusted. If you can't trust them, how can you trust anyone? And because of that lie, you became fiercely independent. You don't need anybody's help. I got this. I'm in control. So much so that you have trust issues with everybody in your life, and you seem to even have a hard time trusting God and his promises towards you because you can't trust anything. So do you see how that one little lie that you can't trust anyone built up these walls and is impacting you in so many different areas of your life. A defining mark of a stronghold is a reoccurring pattern that's happening over and over that you can't seem to overcome. And that's the first indication of a stronghold. And I'll give you some examples. I didn't know if I was going to do this. It can be pride. It can be a sexual sin that you can't get over. It can be um, unforgiveness, anger issues, anxiety, laziness. Um, those are some examples of strongholds. So some questions you can ask yourself if that's something you're dealing with. Is there a constant battle in your life that even though you want freedom from, it still has its grip on you? The second thing is, is there an unhealthy habit or an unhealthy thought pattern that you do is not right that you are constantly thinking about. What I found for praying for many, many people and getting prayer myself is sometimes the fortress walls are so tall and feel so strong that when you go to read the word of God, it doesn't feel like anything comes in. I don't know if anyone ever else has ever felt like that. And remember what Wormwood said, that's the best defense of the enemy is to keep you out of God's truth. And so sometimes that's what strongholds can do. So some of the lies that I've seen, that I've prayed with people, that I've gotten prayer for, is the lie that I'm not good enough. I struggled with shame, like I shared. I struggled with the lie of shame, that 
I'm, how I was created isn't enough. I, um, people have struggled with fear and anxiety, um, rejection or fear of being rejected. That's another one for me. Control. I need to control everything. Um, unforgiveness and bitterness. Do you know that the word says that bitterness rots your bones? Think about that idea. Uh, I heard the quote, and I forget who says this, that bitterness and unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting somebody else to die. So that can, these things can be poison in our bodies. Um, I do health coaching and nutrition um, coaching for years, and I, can, I have had clients share with me some of the deep hurts they're holding on to and lack of forgiveness, and I have seen that impact their physical being because it rots your bones. And so this stuff can be poison if we let it in our life. So our scripture today is deliver us from evil, right? Deliver us from the evil one. Deliverance from evil is replacing lies and believing God's truth. That's as simple as it is. It doesn't have to be more complicated. It's recognizing God's lies. But sometimes those lies have been around for so long that you don't even know they're there. Or they're so comfortable and so familiar that you don't want to let them go. So when I was getting coaching to be a health coach, you guys follow that? You get coaching to be a health coach, um, they said, don't take away people's teddy bears. So what that means is if somebody that you're working with ha that wants to eat better has like six things that they're not doing very well, <laughs> six bad habits, they said, work on all of them except the ones, one that they love the most. So we're going to pretend that's like drinking two liters of Diet Coke a day, okay? So that teddy bear that that person has is the two liters of Diet Coke. So you're going to work on all the other things and leave the Diet Coke alone until later. And I tried that, and I didn't feel like it was effective because guess what the, the Diet Coke in this situation was their teddy bear, but it was causing what we would consider the most trouble in their life. And so we would ignore it and ignore it, and I ultimately feel that like it didn't get better. And that's what can happen with things that we're holding near to our heart, our teddy bears, is that they're comfortable and familiar. So for example, worries my friend. I've heard people say that. I'm so used to a life of worrying, it's so familiar if I'm not worrying, I'm worrying that I'm not worrying about anything. And worry is my friend. And so they, they, hold, that, they hold that tight. Um, but what that is, is it's really poisoning their life. So something that's comfortable and squishy and fun is actually doing the most harm. So we hold lies close to our heart and they become part of our identity. They become part of who we are. I'm not good enough. I'm afraid of what's going to happen in the future. But God came to set us free, and the Holy Spirit can highlight. That's one of his jobs, is to convict us of ways that we are not walking in his truth. Amen to that? Amen. I mean, that's, he lives inside of us. He helps us uncover the lies that we are believing. These are not condemning. He's not saying, I cannot believe you are thinking that. He is coming from a loving father who says, I love you so much, I want you to know the truth and walk in freedom of what I'm telling you. However, part of this situation with the teddy bear is we have to 
take responsibility for the lies that we're holding on to. I feel like God would say something like, I want to see you free. But you need to take responsibility for the lie that you're holding tight. I want you to give me the teddy bear. I want you to let it go. Um, I think he asks us, are you willing to? Because he wants us to be a willing participant. He tells us we have to stand firm. He tells us we have to resist. He wants us. I just want you all to know you don't have to live in fear for the rest of your life. Amen to that. You don't have to live in fear for the rest of your life. You don't have to live in shame and guilt for something that you did because God already forgave you for it. But you do have to take the responsibility for the fact that you believed it in the first place. Uh, I, uh, uh, Papa Tucci, I call him Papa Tucci, Jim Tucci, um, called me this week because he has been del- doing deliverance stuff and talking about deliverance for many years all over the world. And I was asking him, what is some of the biggest things that you tell people about this topic? And he said the number one thing is people have to take responsibility. If they don't take responsibility, nothing's ever going to change. Nothing's ever going to change. So you have to take responsibility for the fact that you believed it and acknowledge you want to let the lie go. Um, because sometimes in our lives we, can, we love people and we can see how the enemy is lying to them and we want them to walk in freedom. But guess what? If they don't want to, we can't force anything upon them. And so in James it says, confess your sins to one another, pray for one another so you can be healed. Accepting responsibility and confessing to the Father and to one another and getting prayer, you can experience the freedom that Jesus died for us to have. When he reveals a lie to us, though, we do not sit and focus on the lie. Did everyone hear that? When he reveals a lie, I'm not good enough. I don't sit and focus on the lie because that's, then the lie becomes bigger. Once the lie is recognized, we need to focus on the what? What sets us free? The truth. The truth of what he is telling us. I want to go back to the story of the elephant because the truth is a 24,000-pound elephant needed just to take one step forward to break the chain. One step, right? He could have walked away in freedom with one step. But that little chain around his ankle kept him there because he did not realize that he was in freedom. And the biggest thing that elephant didn't realize is the power that he had inside of him to have authority over his situation. Does that make sense? He, could, he, he has a lot of power to break that chain. And I felt like that the Lord wanted me to encourage the body that remember the word sozoed. He came to save us, but to heal us and deliver us so much more. However, we don't have to beg God for our freedom. Because guess what? He already set us free. This isn't a begging prayer, right? Jesus, please deliver us from evil. Guess what he already did? He already died on the cross. We just need to renew our mind to what is true in the work that he already did. And this is not by our power. This is by the power of the Holy Spirit that lives inside of each and every one of us. 
So this is, I just really want to make it clear that we don't have to beg him. We don't have to beg him, but we need to renew our mind to the truth that he already told us, that we already to live, we already live in freedom. We need to take every thought captive. Now, Justin talked about this last week, uh, and we hear things in our mind. Remember, the enemy lies to us. So when you're hearing something like Beth did, a good little phrase that I use is, who told me that? Have you ever done that? When you, you have all these things coming in your mind, who told me that? Because it's going to be one of three people, three things. It can be us, like things that we've had in like our flesh. It can be things that have been spoken over us by other people. Like, you're, you're dumb. You're never going to amount to anything. I've heard people say that to other people before. And when I pray for people, I have wept with them over the things that have been spoken over them in their life that are crushing. And the, the other thing, so we have the enemy that we know is a liar and can whisper, and then we have God. And like Beth said, anything that we feel like God is saying to us has to be able to be backed up by his word and by scripture. But he is not going to tell us we're stupid. He is not going to tell us we're dumb. He's not going to tell us we're not worthy and that we need to live in shame and guilt and all of that stuff. If you are constantly having negative thoughts in your mind, you are empowering the enemy in your life. That's just true. That doesn't sound awesome, but it's true. Because you're not focusing on what God said. The enemy attacks our identity and who we are. He accuses us. But the more that we know truth, the more that we put truth in here, the less space there is for the lies to be. We all struggle from time to time with this. I had prayer. I got freedom from fear of rejection. Anyone ever been afraid that they might get rejected by somebody? Maybe people-pleasing? Oh, three of you? Liars! <laughs> Liars, right. So I had prayer, and I had felt like I had been walking in a good space with not being afraid. However, um, I had noticed in my body that I was getting really tired a lot. Didn't have a lot of energy, and I was in my bedroom. I remember this as clear as day. I was walking around, and I was just praying. I'm like, I'm so tired. What is this about? And I stopped in my tracks, and I felt like the Lord said, you are living in fear of rejection. You are making choices in your yeses, in your schedules, and your boundaries, so that you do not feel rejected by other people, meaning I'm people-pleasing. I'm saying yes to everything. And so I'm tired. I don't have any energy. And he convicted. Now, that was not a condemnation. That was a sweet conviction in my heart. And so I phoned a friend. Phone a friend. When that stuff comes up and you're by yourself in your bedroom, you phone a friend. And so I phoned my best friend, Kate, and I said, hey, Kate, this is, ex this is what the Lord just said to me. He told me that I am agreeing with living in rejection again, and I don't want it. I don't want it. There's the teddy bear. I'm throwing the teddy bear. Yeah, Kristen doesn't want the rejection either. I'm throwing the teddy bear. I don't want the rejection anymore. I don't want to live this way. So this is part of the taking responsibility and the confession and repentance. What repentance means is that you're turning away. You're walking away from the lie that you were believing. So I was believing that and I had to make everyone happy in order to be accepted. Is that something that the Heavenly Father would say? What does he say? Accepted. I'm accepted because of what Jesus did for me. That's what, that, that's what he says about me. 
But because I was believing that lie, it was impacting my life. So I prayed. I repented. I said, I don't want that teddy bear anymore. I threw it. We prayed together. I confessed. And guess what? I literally felt a weight lift off my shoulders that day. And that's what I've seen over and over for many people, that you can experience a freedom that you haven't before, but you have to get rid of the teddy bear. And he wants to set you free. So I did not feel condemned that I started believing. He wants to set you free because he loves you. Who the son sets free is free indeed because you are a child of God. He loves you as a daughter. He loves you as a son. And he wants you to know your identity as a child of God first. It's when we lose our identity that this all goes downhill. How do we find our identity? We need to know what the word says about who we are, especially when we forget. And it's really awesome to have community around you that helps you remember who you are. Like I said, I've, I've, I have bawled my eyes out with people that have told me the, the lies that they've been believing about themselves. I'm ugly, I'm unworthy, I'm not good enough, all that stuff. So if you are thinking things in your head that you know a heavenly father would never say to you, I want you to think about how can you start replacing those lies with the truth. Because we can be overcomers. We can be victorious in this life. We don't have to wait till we get to heaven to be free of some of this stuff. God came to set us free here so that we can impact and set others free. This can be like a ripple effect. Just imagine if the whole church walked in freedom from the lies of the enemy. How powerful would that be? Just imagine if we all understood the power that we have through the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us to walk this out. It's not on our power. It's on his power. He wants to replace anxiety with peace. He wants to replace bitterness with forgiveness. He wants to replace rejection with love. He wants us to live as a victor, not a victim. We can walk in a victim mindset our whole Christian life. And the word says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. He came to give us freedom, and he came to give us hope. So I want you to go back to that elephant. Okay, the elephant's in the room, you guys. The elephant's in the room. So this is a different picture. I want you to picture yourself as the elephant that realizes the, the power that it has and the authority that it has to take its first step in freedom. Like picture that in your mind's eye. Like you get it for the first time, and maybe right now you're getting this for the first time that you don't have to live in some of the lies that you've been believing for your whole life. That you can step forth in freedom. You can take that first step. You can break the chains. You can break the chains. We don't have to stay in bondage. We can walk in the freedom that Christ already died for, for us to have. And so I'll, I'll have the band come up if that's okay. Uh, and it, it has been my prayer since God put this in my heart. Like I said, it wasn't necessarily my intention to come up here, but I guess this is maybe for one person here today. Or maybe it was for me, I don't know. God took me through a lot of stuff just even prepping this. Uh, but if, if he is highlighting something in your heart, a lie that you're believing, that you know a loving father would never say to you, 
If you've got a fortress in your life that you have been trying to bang out of but are unsuccessful, we want to pray for you today. I'm, I, my prayer over this whole day has been that there are people here that experience freedom in a deeper level and walk that out that they never have experienced before. And there's a lot of people in this church that have been set free and that have gotten prayer and are walking in a new... And if that's you, I'll have you raise your hand if you've experienced some freedom here. Look around. And I want to offer that. And if you need more, there's no condemnation. But if he right now is convicting your heart that there's something, a teddy bear, that he wants you to let go of, we're going to have people along that um, back wall that are going to pray for you. They're going to pray for you. So I'm just praying courage over this body. I'm praying that um, if he's speaking to your heart now, or even if you think he kind of is, or you just want to talk to somebody, we're here for you. And I believe in a God that loves us so much that he not only died to set us free from our sins, but also to help us walk in freedom right here on earth. So thank you for uh, listening, and I hope you all have a safe.